Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Let's Talk CFL Podcast. Roundtable discussion recorded live on Sunday and Wednesday nights. Visit Let's Talk CFL on Facebook for showtime. Brought to you by the Let's Talk Sports Groups on Facebook. Our partners, LostWolfOnSport.com. Stream live on BlogTalkRadio.com. Hey, good evening, football fans, and welcome to Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 285. I'm your host, Christopher Jones, and we're going to talk football with my buddies. Yeah, for the next couple hours, we'll just be rambling on and on and on about how wonderful our game is, and we'll do that. Now, what's happening now is Sketch and Rough Rider fans, like, they're our best buddies, not. Um, they're having, a, they're taking exception to TSN making a big deal out of Johnny Manziel instead of Zach Caleros or instead of the riders in general. Why are they always talking about Manziel when they're not talking about the riders? Because, hey, the riders are the second coming. They're Canada's football team. There are all sorts of high and mighty things, but that's only in that relatively square province, kind of like their heads. Um, so here's where we're going with this one. Why would TSN spend so much time and effort talking about a never-was quarterback? Well, he was a, kind of was a good quarterback in college. Got a Heisman, so that's pretty awesome. But, okay, so why? Why waste your time? Here's the deal. One in ten Americans, that's 10%, either follows or closely follows the CFL. In a country of 350 million people, that's three, 35 million people that follow the CFL, 35 million, okay? They're football crazy down there. It doesn't have to be football. It can be Canadian football. They're football crazy. So 35 million people. How many people are there in Canada? <gasps> what is it? 35 million people. So do you think that every Canadian, man, woman, and child, is a fan of the CFL? No. We know that. My wife is not. She's upstairs. She's not a fan of the CFL. So this is definitely, there's, there's two of us. So that's 50%. Okay. So we know that, that maybe even like less than half of the 35 million Canadians. In fact, I think the number's somewhere around the two or 3 million mark, but that's beside the point. So what we're trying to say here is there are more CFL football fans in America than there are in Canada. They may not be as hardcore as the Ryder fans, and God knows nobody is. Um, so, yeah, they're not raw, 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 everything. Okay. So, but why would the, why would TSN cater to the Americans who have this like hard on for Johnny Manziel? Cause he's like the, the boy, the Johnny football, he's Johnny football, won a Heisman trophy, you know, was the best college quarterback like forever got drafted like first overall went to the Browns sucked big time had an attitude problem had a lot of things substance abuse uh, abuse period and uh, got kicked out of football now he's making a comeback in Canada with the Montreal Alouettes good for him personally I couldn't give a shit I don't care if he falls on his face I don't care if he ever scores a touchdown I don't care if he ever wins a game I don't care but here's the deal he is creating mass hysteria about the CFL in America. 
Was that a good thing or a bad thing? Most people say, oh, we don't care about the Americans. 35 million people already follow our sport. How many more are joining on because of this? They're all football crazy down there. There's a goddamn religion to them. So, you know, this is where I'm coming from on this one. It's just kind of weird. So why do we think this is good? Well, it's money. It's always about money. So the ESPN, which is the parent, one of the parent companies of TSN, is their contract's up for a renewal. And TSN wants more money to rebroadcast the CFL games in America. And ESPN is getting more sponsorship because there's more people watching the games. So if TSN gets more money or the CFL gets more money for the broadcast rights of ESPN, what would that mean? Would that mean that the CFL owners get fat? No, they're here for the love of the game, mostly. So what would happen? Well, we've got a a, a CBA coming up. They're going to renegotiate the salary cap. What if we doubled the salary cap from $5.2 million or $5.02 million up to um, $10 million? Could we attract some higher quality people from the United States? Yes. Could we then pay our players a reasonable salary? Yes. What would that do? Create a better game of football? Yes. So does that mean that we might get more fans? Yes. You mean like in Toronto? Yes. Vancouver? Yes. Montreal? Maybe. Because this is what it's all about, guys. It's all about money. And if you get money, we get players. And we get players, we get a better game. And if we get a better game, then we get fans in the stadium. Everybody's bitching about not having enough fans in the stadiums across the CFL. And then they bitch about Johnny Manziel getting more press than the, Van, than the Sketch and Rough Riders. Me, 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 me. I don't give a shit about your green team. When we're talking about Johnny Manziel, this is about the CFL. This isn't about one particular team. It's not about Montreal. It's not about Toronto. It's not about anything. It's about the CFL, all teams. Saskatchewan will benefit from more American fans. I don't care if you don't care. It's a fact. And if you don't think that TSN and the league is catering to those Americans right now, you're nuts. 22% of kids... Under the age of 35 are following the CFL. 22% of Americans under 35 years old. Would you be surprised if it was 2% of Canadians under 35 are following the CFL? I would. I'd be shocked if it was 2%. 22% of Americans. Come on. This is a good thing. Suck it up, sunshine, and deal with it. I'm going to open up some mics and talk to the boys and see what they have to say about this. There's Mark. Mark, how you doing? Welcome to the show, buddy. Doing well, doing well. It was another interesting weekend of football. Yeah, it was. There was nothing interesting about this weekend of football. It sucked. Anyhow, yeah. Well, it sucked for some, but it was really cool for others. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, who do you think it was really cool for Montreal? Yeah, probably Montreal. Definitely for huh? Winnipeg and Calgary. Not so yeah. much for BC and Edmonton, though. No, Edmonton didn't like that at all. And BC no. definitely. No, it was kind of an embarrassment. I'm actually surprised they actually scored 10 points. I thought they only scored three. Well, they tripled uh, Edmonton's score. Must have been in garbage time. Um, I didn't watch yep. the end of the game. Yep. It was a Charles. Welcome, buddy. How you doing? 
I'm doing all right. Um, trying to forget that game on Saturday, but oh hell yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> as soon as we can forget that game, I, I'm putting the, this one to bed in a couple of minutes. Like in about ten minutes, it's gone from my memory. And yeah, okay. Will, welcome, buddy. How you doing? I'm good. I'm You're good. good, eh? Yeah, I I'm guess so. Fabulous, wonderful. Never been better. Living the dream. Living the dream every day, buddy. Yeah, every day. Okay, so I'm, anybody, uh, yeah. anybody want to put some two bits in? Their two bits in on this uh, rant of mine on Johnny Manziel. Well, well, nobody cares. Go, go ahead, Charles. I was just going to say, I understand that they're paying attention to him and and whatnot because of uh, he does garner attention. But at the same time, um, they can t- I think they could taper back a little bit. My biggest complaint on the weekend was the fact that Rod Black was basically bringing up Johnny Manziel every three or four minutes. It it just got to the point of annoying. I understand why TSN wants to um, wants to um, publicize the guy, and it makes sense because they are. He is garnering a lot of um, publicity for the CFL down south. But just temper it a little bit. When he's not on the field, don't bring him up. Talk about the other teams. They're, they're, they're literally, when Saskatchewan's offense is on the ball, they're showing Johnny Manziel standing on the sidelines and talking about him. We don't need that every 30 seconds. I get that they're going to be public, publicizing him. Just taper it back a little bit. You know, if, if if Johnny Manziel died tomorrow, okay, I would dress him up in a Montreal Alouettes uniform and prop him up on the sidelines just so that we can continue to talk about him. Okay, weekend at Bernie all over again. Okay, because mm-hmm. he's that important to our game right now. He is the single most important player in the CFL. I know that's hard to grasp. I, I, he's certainly not the best by any stretch of the means. I don't even think he's in the top half. Okay. I I, I think there's mascots that are that are, are better football players at this point in time. But he's the most important player right now because he is the one that is generating the most amount of revenue. And that has to mean something. Will, go ahead, buddy. Well, you know what? I've been watching football long enough that I can sit in my living room and watch a football game and listen to Rod Black talk about talk about Johnny Manziel and it has no effect on me whatsoever because I'm watching the football game. And yeah, if he does something good No, it's not if he does something good, great. Um you know for example when Ah, God, who was it? I think Montreal picked the ball or something like that, and they kept on flashing to the sidelines to see what Johnny Manziel's reaction was going to be. And it's like, wow, this is exciting. But, yeah, it doesn't bother me at all. They can talk about Johnny Manziel all they want. It's not exciting to us because we know better, right? Yes. We know what this league is about. We know what the players are about. I would hope Americans who watch football know better than he's not doing much of anything. 
But, I mean, this game, the last game he played in, he did play better than he has in the previous three. Yeah. So, and, you know, next year, maybe talking about him all all the time will be worth it. It doesn't matter if it's worth it because they're still going to do it. But if it helps our game, if it puts money in people's pockets, hey, what the hell, go for it. Yeah, it's all about the betterment of our sport, and 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 that's what people need to realize and they need to focus on, because true fans of the CFL don't need to listen to this bullshit because we don't really care about Johnny Football. We nope. don't. We don't. But there's people who followed the career of Johnny down in the states, and they 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 fell in love with him. They have this phenomenal uh, fascination to him, and all of a sudden, football again. And they're going to watch him. And that means they're going to watch CFL games. Even if he's getting the shit kicked out of them, they're going to watch them. Some people are watching him to crash. Other people are looking, waiting for that, that, that miracle that he used to have, that, that, that razzle-dazzle. And it's going to come out. He's going to come out and he's going to play a decent football game as soon as he le- learns our game. And he may end up being a star. I mean, Doug Flutie was not that good the first year he played in the CFL, and he's the greatest quarterback we've ever had in this league. I know he wasn't that good. He played for BC. You saw visions of of, of, of awesomeness. But, you know, BC didn't play all that well. Was it him? Was it the team? Was it what? Well, shit, man, he's on Montreal. What do you expect? What would he be like on Calgary? I know Will would be happy. Oh, my God. Mark, you didn't say anything. You got anything here? Um, Just to back up your comment about the McLean's article with the one in ten Americans thing, because Rudy did make a comment about that's McLean's and it's three years old. A quote from, I know it's Lonnie Gleberman, but he's got a point because I actually went on YouTube and looked. Manziel's third CFL start had 225,000 views on YouTube. 2017 Grey Cup highlights had 8,200 views. 200,000? Yeah. Do you think those are Canadians? Do you think that, Mark, did you go look at at, at Manziel's? Third no. start because you're so interested. No, it's Americans. That's two hundred twenty-five thousand people. Did you go look it on YouTube? No, you have it PVR'd. Yeah, I uh, I watched Johnny Manziel the Manziel highlights for at least two hours every <laughs> six hours. Okay, it's just I'm addicted to the stuff that he's doing because it's amazing. It's just amazing. Yeah, come on. You know, serious. none of us are fans of Johnny Manziel. We've all been pretty vocal about that as over his time here. He's getting better. And 225,000 people checked out the third game that he started. So, yeah, I think he's helping get the CFL name out there. Let, let's be honest. I'm fucking tired of him. Okay? I'm sick to death of listening about him. Okay? Yeah. But I know that it's better for for the league if we hear about him. And I'm okay with that because I love my league more than I hate listening to Johnny, about Mm -hmm. Johnny. 
because I've seen our league on the inner rim of the toilet seat. And I don't want to see that again. Ever. And and Johnny Football could save us. Not that we're in dire straits right now, but it could take us to the next level. Wouldn't that be just super cool? We could actually pay our players something? As long as he keeps the interest up in the States. We need that with those two new leagues starting up. Yeah. As long as he doesn't fuck off to the new league. No, he's got to be here at least one more year. So he's got a two-year contract. Yeah. I know, I know, I know, I know. Wow. Okay. Enough of this. That's 15 minutes of a rant. Well done, CJ. First game up this weekend, Toronto Argonauts traveled west to get the shit kicked out of Mother Calgary Stampeders. And that they did. Charles, were you watching this game? I did, yeah. Uh, there wasn't a whole lot to watch in this game because it was men versus boys, literally, in this game. Uh, this one was not really competitive, nor did I expect this one to be competitive. I think even but, my selection, I said it was going to be quite a blowout, but and it's kind of what I expected. They they scored 16 points. Who did? That's more than Toronto. The, uh, Toronto? No, yeah. they didn't. They scored ten. I thought I got it down as thirty-eight sixteen. What's going on here? Thirty-eight sixteen. My pick. No, 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 no. The final uh, score 16. of the game was thirty-eight sixteen. 16. 16. Oh, okay, that's the final score. That I means that they scored 10, more points than BC and Edmonton combined. That doesn't mean they were any more competitive. To be honest, it, it was not much of a game. Uh, the Stampeders were winning that game right from the beginning. Uh, they're far superior to um, uh, the um, Toronto Argonauts. This Toronto team's a mess right now. It really is. Um, they just um, the McLeod Bethel Thomas or Thompson or whatever his last name is. Uh, mm-hmm. He started off great, but he's come falling back to earth and uh, hasn't really. Uh, Found it, uh, found his game again. Uh, they lost um, James Wilder Jr. in this game, which um, I mean he hasn't been spectacular, but that's just going to make it uh, even. Uh, they're going to make them even less competitive. Um, yeah, there wasn't a whole lot to cheer about at all for Toronto in this game. They got, uh, you know. Six points in the second half. It wasn't a horrible blowout at halftime because it was only 14 to 10. Once the second half showed up, uh, then it's a uh, completely different story. Um, The cream rose to the crop in that one as Toronto outscored, or excuse me, Calgary outscored Toronto uh, 24 to 6 in the second half. And, again, the Stampeders lose another receiver as uh, Reggie Bagleton goes out, and they're still able to uh, pull it out. It's, it's really receiving core by committee right now because a lot of these receivers that are playing for Calgary, I've never heard of. I don't know who Marcus Ambles is or Julian, Julian Lynch or Richard Sindani. 
These guys, are they picking guys out of the parking lot at the tailgate before the game? Reggie Begleton. Well, Reggie Begleton, I, I mean, I've somewhat heard of him, but he's the guy that got hurt. So that's not too helpful there. And uh, But they're figuring out ways to win every week. Um, you got to give credit. I know we've been talking about Bo Levi Mitchell and whether or not how elite a quarterback he is. Hell, he's, he's uh, getting guys out of alleys, I think, and still getting the job done and still getting wins. So you got to give some credit to him because uh, he certainly um, he was still able to uh, put up uh, over 300 yards passing with a receiving core that's put together with duct tape. So give credit where credit is due, and um, the Argos, uh, they're, they're literally playing out the string. Their season's done, and um, they're playing for pride right now. Hey, and Deron Carter even got a catch or two, didn't he? He got two catches. Yep. Good for him. But uh, that made no difference. So Stampeders win, and they were full value. And uh, it doesn't matter how many receivers seem to go down. They're able to uh, find a way to pick up the W, which is what good teams do. Yep, big time. Mark? Oh, you know, I, I really thought this game... The way it started in the first quarter, the, the first two drives, we got a touchdown from Calgary and Toronto. And then Toronto was somewhat holding their own through the second quarter. I thought, oh, maybe this will be an exciting game. I really don't want it to be. I have to be up at 3 in the morning, but, hey, you never know. And then at the start of the second half, Calgary just went, okay, we're done playing. Let's go and win the game. They just seem to be able to take it to a second level when they need to. And like Charles said, this ambles. Like I think they said he'd been on the practice roster all year. They just find these guys, put them on the practice roster, and they come out and he gets three catches for seven, 69 yards. You know, he had a 38 yak yards to go with it. Like, they just find these guys. It's amazing. Um, they had a couple of great runs from, I think Mark and Michelle had one really long one in the second half there, too. It was just wild to watch them just pull away. And Bethel Thompson really, he wasn't horrible. He actually out through, uh, percentage-wise, was better than uh, Mitchell. And not that far behind. I think he had 275 yards passing. So they just, their play calling is weird. Even when they do have all their starting guys in, they don't run the ball. They really don't seem to want to run the ball a lot. And it, that weather, you needed to run the ball. Uh, I'm assuming Will has dried out from all the rain and it looked like it was hailing at the start of the game to go with it. So that's really it's about it. It's just Calgary's just that much better. They just pulled away in the second half. Toronto tried to keep up, but you, you just can't unless you're throwing touchdowns all the time. Well, Go ahead. Cal- Calgary can pull away from most teams in this league. Uh, Toronto is not most teams. Toronto's down yeah. there at the bottom with uh, Montreal and BC. No, uh, not quite BC, but close, getting there. Feeling depressed this week. Uh, Will, go ahead. Talk about your stamps and, and the game that you were at with the hail. Was that cool? Cold? Well, let's put it this way. 
did you find anybody for okay. your tickets? There hasn't been there hasn't been a really dry game this year in Calgary. It's either rained or been cold or been I haven't worn my capris to one game this year, Christopher. I know you'd be disappointed to hear that, but well, it's I, been too cold. Not not, it's been not at the cold. game I was at. It was cold and rainy. It's been too cold. And so I get there on Friday night and I'm five minutes into the game and I'm dressed for it. Okay. I got waterproof stuff on. I'm dressed warm. And then it's hail or freezing rain. And when that hits you, it hurts. Okay. It hurts a lot. So I'm, I look down and all five of my other seats are empty and I'm like, <laughs> you know, if I leave this game, nobody's going to know the difference. Did you? And so, and so I decided in my head, I'm leaving. I pack my little bag. I get up to leave and I hear, feel my phone vibrate in my pocket and I pull my phone out and my ex boss is outside the stadium saying, Hey, Come bring me a ticket. I want to come to the football game. So I did stay for the whole thing. And here you go. You guys probably have never experienced Alberta weather. But after halftime, it got it got warmer at 830 at night. I actually had to take a jacket off. That's how much warmer it got. I've actually been in Alberta where it did that before. Yeah, it's just weird. Anyways, uh, the Stampeders did what the Stampeders do. I have no clue. Half these receivers that were catching balls, yeah, I've never heard of them before, Charles. And once again, I'm not going to put too much in this. I'm not going to argue with anybody about this. But I think the straw that stirs the drink is Bo Levi Mitchell because he's throwing balls to guys that he has no, no chemistry with. And they're getting it done. I don't know how long they can get it done. I don't know if they can get it done against good teams. And I do not consider Toronto a good team. But Calgary's defense stepped up and shut them down in the second half. So I don't know what that means, but uh, we'll see. They can't afford to have – if they have any more receivers that get hurt, they will be going through the tailgate parties looking for guys who can catch a football because it's that bad. I mean, Reggie Bagleton is now officially out for the season. He broke his arm. Um, Jerron Breskison, which is their next good guy, he was hurt during that whole game, but he sucked it up and he played. And this uh, Ambles guy you guys are talking about, he he scored, just so you know, Charles and Christopher, he scored a touchdown in the preseason game against BC and they say he's going to be a good receiver, but you know, he's not quite ready yet. I don't think so. We'll see what Calgary does. It'll be quite interesting. He was their leading receiver. Three catches, uh, yeah. 69 yards. Yeah. And they thought he would be because, and, and it's funny because uh, there was rumors that, Oh, my God, why can't I remember his name? Calgary's good receiver that's been hurt for eight weeks now. Eric Rogers came back this year. Eric Rogers. There was rumors that Eric Rogers was 
going to be able to start. And if he started, Ambles wouldn't have got on the practice or wouldn't have got on the roster. But I guess they decided to give Eric Rodgers one more week, and now Ambles was on, and look what he did. So I, I if I'm Calgary, I don't know what I do. I mean, do do I let Eric Rodgers come back? They've already clinched a playoff spot. Do I keep Eric Rodgers out for a while and save him, or do I bring him in? and play against teams like Montreal where he could get hurt. So I, I guess you that's something they got to decide. Off. Well, sure you do, but uh, I understand he was Calgary's leading receiver till he went out eight weeks ago when he hadn't uh, played a meaningful football game in two years. So I don't think he rests, to be honest with you. But... Yeah, it's gonna be an interest it's gonna be an interesting end of the season. I I sat down today and I wrote some numbers out about where I think people were gonna finish and it turned out to be quite interesting. So I'll let you guys in on that later on. Okay. And that's the wrap on this game. I didn't see a lot of it. I was uh, kind of busy, but you know, hey, you're always watching the highlights, you're always watching the games and I knew Calgary was gonna slaughter them. Um I actually was the closest one to picking uh well the the Toronto score, but uh, uh, well Charles was pretty close there too. Anyhow, final score was a thirty-eight fifteen. Are you making ice, Will? No. Who's who's making the noise? I don't know. Not me. Mark. What are you My doing? My mic's been turned off. Not me. Oh, it's got to be in Will's house then. Where's Chris, by the way? Okay, so final score was 38-16 to for the Calgary Stampeders over the Toronto Argonauts. Charles, 34-14. That's pretty close, buddy. You're out by six points. Uh, You definitely were the closest. No, Chris was the closest at 38. He he pegged the Calgary score, 38, and was put Toronto at 20. So he was out by four points. He beat you, Charles. Chris has got another mark. Welcome back, Chris. We knew he was going to put a mark on this week, no matter what happened, right? Okay, next game up uh, was the Winnipeg-Edmonton game. Winnipeg Blue Bombers went into Edmonton and uh, played some football. How come nobody's saying anything? Next game is BC. No, that, that game didn't happen. Oh, I see. I'm ignoring that one completely. I'm not. (laughs) Okay. The BC Lions went into Hamilton and played the Ticats. After the thrilling overtime victory the week before, Hamilton had a little bit of an agenda, and they came out and spanked the Lions because there's no other good way to describe that. They just actually... I think the 10 points that BC scored in that game flattered them. So, Mark, go ahead. You want to play with this one? Well, like I was saying earlier, I didn't see the full game. Um, I did follow it online and stuff, and I caught a little bit on live stream, but not a lot. But from what I've seen um, and heard is Hamilton came out pissed off, and they put it out on the field and totally 
eight, would you say, the lions? Would that Destroyed, be annihilated. Like, yeah, well, no, the cats Spank. ate the lions. Yeah, Mollywops. Um, Mollywops yeah. is a good word. That's Bad a good word. showed up again. I don't know if I'm jumping off a cliff like some of the Lions fans are right now about putting Fayardo in or the guy that the fourth string quarterback or third string. No, 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 point. no. John, Jonathan yeah. Jennings is the man. Yeah, you know, it's, he reverted back a little bit. He's going to. That's just going to happen, especially when they get behind the eight ball the way they did. And then he has to start throwing the long ball, and that's what happened. They couldn't run the ball when you get down that fast. And Hamilton played pissed off, and BC just wasn't in the game from the start. Their heads weren't in the game, and they even said it. They weren't ready. And Coach's fault. Yeah, well, Wally said, I guess I didn't get the guys ready enough. Well, Wally, you've been a coach for 30-some years. I think you should know by now how to get a team ready. You also uh, got to know when a team is going to slack off, too. Yeah. Yep. And they definitely slacked off. It's like they forgot to get on the airplane and sent the one of the college teams. Cardboard if replicas. I'm, if I'm a BC player, I am completely embarrassed by what happened. Because the touchdown did come late in the game that they did get. It was horrible to... You know, and it comes up with the next game, too, where you only score three points. It's, that's, you've been 100% embarrassed. The next game coming up is huge for them. They have to come out and show that they can play football. They're playing Toronto. uh, It doesn't mean much. No, it doesn't. If the the Lions play the same way, they're not coming out of that game with a win. No, I, I agree, but at least they're they're not playing Calgary. Yeah, but I'm assuming the Chris Rainey as a running back experiment will be over. It needs to end. He's not a running back. He's never been a running back. Every time he comes in, everybody knows who's getting the ball. So um, Jarius Jackson needs to do something with the play calling because that was abysmal. Uh, that's about it. I'll let Will have fun with it. Yeah, go ahead, Will. It's up to you. Slam him. Well, you know, you know what? I don't have to have fun with this. I I think it was just a perfect example of the win the week before in BC was a was a very emotional win. They came from behind and they pulled it out of nowhere. And they won, and and there's usually an emotional letdown the next week, and there was a huge emotional letdown this week. Okay, they got they didn't even show up. I mean, there's no other way you can put it. They weren't there. They didn't show up. Saskatchewan stomped on them. I still think dancing on the logo had a little bit to do with it. Gave them it gave it gave Hamilton more motivation. I think there was uh, the lots loss of, last week had way more motivation. There was lots of uh, lip flapping going on, and uh, I think it motivated Hamilton. And they just—I mean, there's nothing. There's BC has no answer. It was just they didn't show up. They got to take that game like you guys are doing it, put it in the drawer, file it, and not ever, ever, ever look at it again. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Pretty simple. Yeah. And and every no team has had now. games like that. Every team has had games like that. So. Yeah. Go ahead. Edmonton had Edmonton had one of those games. Absolutely. Charles. Your beloved yep. BC Lions. Uh, I don't know if I've ever been so I don't know if I've ever been so happy to have a power failure at my house. Uh, <laughs> I missed the first half of this game. Uh, thank God, because that was by far the worst point. I was getting updates on my phone. They weren't good updates. Uh, at, uh, after a while, I just stopped looking at my phone. I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to pass. Uh, this was a real painful one, especially after being on such a high after the win, the big comeback win last week. Uh, the team obviously had a letdown. And I made the observation the other day that I I think is actually a fair and accurate observation, and I have to do it right now, that it's wonderful. Jonathan Jennings is the Trevor Harris of the West. <laughs> I knew where that was coming. I knew that was coming. I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, this was just a disaster. I mean, Jonathan Jennings actually in the last three games had looked quite good. And then it all fell apart. And I think one of the keys for Jonathan Jennings is get a lead and play with a lead because once he falls behind, he starts pushing the ball into coverage and it all falls apart. He throws one pick and then it snowballs. And that's really part of the uh, whole thing here. But for these people that are out there saying to start Cody Fajardo or what's the third string? There's a third stringer that had that good game in the preseason or whatever. Look, I know it was a bad loss, but let's look at the facts. The Lions are still only two points now behind Winnipeg and still have a game in hand with and Winnipeg. Edmonton. And Edmonton. And Edmonton. So while it, it looked bad, you've still got to go with the quarterback that's going to give you the best chance to win. At this point, there is no question about that right now. That quarterback is Jonathan Jennings. So instead of jumping off the cliff, let's hope he shakes it off, and we'll see how he plays next week against Toronto. we got the Argos coming into BC Place next week, and uh, they're not exactly a team flying right now. They might be a team that is just what this alliance team needs after a, a beating like they took last week. Uh, the defense really, um, well, I was going to say they really were a letdown, but they were on the field the whole game because the offense wasn't doing anything. Um, but even so, you've got to you've got to put some, uh, you've got to stop uh, that defense and the Hamilton or stop the offense. And the Hamilton offense was literally having their way with the BC defense. Um, whatever Jeremiah Mazzoli wanted to do. He did do. And if you look at Mazzoli's stats, they weren't spectacular. He only passed for 189 yards, but three touchdowns, and that's all it needed. And John White had a huge game rushing for 108 yards. And, yeah, Brandon Banks coming back definitely put a new wrinkle into that Hamilton offense that was not there the week before. And the Lions defense just didn't answer to it. So, quite frankly, the – the tie cats were full value for this win. They really were, and um, and I'm going to disagree with Will. To be honest, people are making such a big deal about dancing on the logo. 
look, the, the Hamilton team got beaten by the Lions the week before. That should be all the motivation they need. If they needed that extra uh, motivation of them dancing on the logo, then they need to look at the way they get motivated because, quite frankly, I don't think that that had a huge deal. A lot of people are making a lot of difference. And, yeah, I know guys like Brandon Banks and so on, they were beaking off about that after the game. Brandon Banks beaks off about everything all the time. So what difference does that make? So let's face it, I really don't think it had a whole lot to do with it at all. I think that was just more of a red herring than anything else. And Hamilton just came in and just spanked D.C. That's that, what happened. Well, the dancing on the logo was all for the media. Brandon Banks of lipping was. off is just for the media. That's, That's just show. so the media got some headlines and they can do this and do that and, and make people start thinking, oh, yeah, BC's disrespect. And that had nothing to do with it. And you know what? And if really, I'm, I'm not even going to get into the logo placement on the field. If it was something. Not in, in, it's ridiculous. Okay. But what I do want to talk about is when you are second and two, why do you throw for 40 yards? Good question. Jonathan who, Jennings does that far too often. Who came up with that play? But that's the other you, thing. Was that called you, by Jennings or was that called by him? What's his face? Jerry Jackson. Jackson. Do, well, do you think you were going to fool the other team? No. Jonathan Jennings goes long all the time on stupid plays. So they were ready for that. But second mm-hmm. and two yards, get the two fucking yards. Go get six yards. Get seven yards. Get whatever. Throw for one yard. Get some yak yards. Get the first down. Ten first downs, and you're in the end zone. Okay? Mm-hmm. This, you don't have to get it all in one play. I, I, this is where Jennings needs to grow up. He needs to start throwing slants and screens and just whatever. Just get the first down. Because that's all this game is about. It's not about touchdowns. It's about first downs. And you get enough first downs, the touchdowns come. They just, they just happen. It's inevitable. If you get it, you, all you go, go, all you is get ter- first downs, eventually you're going to find yourself in the end zone. It's not rocket science. It's football. Yes, and I know I did. I'm the one that's always saying how cerebral football is. But you know what? It is. And start playing with your brain. Okay, enough of this bullshit. Hamilton 40, BC 10. Did Mark go on this game? Yeah, Mark went first. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Mark went first and then, then handed off the will. Right. Okay, so it was 40 to 10. Charles, Will, CJ, pick, pick BC. So we're not even there. Chris and Mark, really close. It was 40 to 10. Mark picks 32-26. Chris has got 30-27. Ooh, who got this one? Mark gets the star. Yeah, I got to keep up with Chris. Well, you did that. Yeah, at least you're breaking even right now. Next game. Winnipeg Blue Bombers go into Edmonton. The only good thing I, I can say about the BC Hamilton game is it wasn't in BC Place. If Hamilton walked into BC Place and spanked them like that, I just how do you go home at night? You can't. 
Winnipeg goes into Edmonton and just, what's the word Will likes? Mollywopped. The Edmonton Eskimos and big time. Charles, go ahead. Uh, this was a shocker for me. I was not expecting this. Uh, I don't think anybody was. In fact, I was expecting a Edmonton win in this game, uh, being that they were at home. And Edmonton is normally a very good home team. But I think Edmonton kind of got, got into the same kind of rut that the Lions did and came out flat as a pancake. Winnipeg jumped on them, and Edmonton just um, couldn't get anything going. This is one of the worst games I've seen Mike Riley uh, ever play, with only 164 yards and two interceptions. Um, certainly, you got to give some credit to the Bombers' defense, who actually played extremely well and really were in uh, Mike Riley's face uh, all night. Um, but yeah, he looked rather ordinary. Now, on the other side, Matt Nichols, I mean, was he spectacular? No, but his completion percentage was sure. He had 80%, 16 to 20, only for 179 yards. But, I mean, that's all they needed. When you had a flat uh, Edmonton team out there, uh, they are moving the ball. A, a nice game for Andrew Harris with 73 yards and a touchdown. Um, they did not put a, pa- a touchdown through the air. They had both their touch- offensive touchdowns on the ground, but... I don't know. It was just Edmonton, I kept waiting for them to um, get together and start, you know, making plays and stuff like that. Because normally when you've got Mike Riley, at quarterback, you do that. It just didn't happen for them. It would just seem like they were just off all night. And part of that, I think probably you can give credit to the Bombers defense. But part of it was just, you know what, they weren't, they weren't clicking for whatever reason. And after the Lions game, Wally Bonham was like, yeah, you get uh, games like that usually at least once a year. Well, it kind of happened to BC and Edmonton all on the same day because they were almost interchangeable on this day because they, quite frankly, got nothing going on offense and really couldn't stop anything on defense. Um, Winnipeg was getting the – they did, again, they weren't gaudy numbers on offense – but they were enough to get the job done. Strangely enough, Edmonton actually had more yardage than Winnipeg did by about 50 yards or uh, almost there, but that doesn't matter when you're not putting the ball in the end zone. Winnipeg did, and they got the win. Edmonton didn't, and then they lost. So, um, yeah, just a surprise to me. I, I can probably count on one hand the number of times I've seen the Eskimos beaten like that at home. It does not happen very often. So good on the Bombers. This was a team that looked very fragile two weeks ago, and now they've come up with back-to-back wins, um, including a win now in Commonwealth, which is a very difficult place to win. So good on the Bombers, and we'll see uh, if uh, they can continue on this role. This has been one of the weirdest seasons I can remember. You've literally got one consistent team, that being Calgary. Everybody else are yo-yos. They're up one week and down the next. It's crazy. But And this showed it um, here, and who knows? Next week, maybe Edmonton whips whoever they're playing and the Bombers collapse. With the way the season is going, it wouldn't shock me in the least. That's all. 
Okay. Will, you got your mic on? Yep. Well, you know what? It was a dominating win by Calgary, sorry, by Winnipeg. Um, Edmonton just looked poor. Mike Riley, and to me, I was watching Mike Riley, he didn't even look like he was into the game. So I don't know if you just realized halfway through the game that no matter what you do, it's not going to be right. So you keep on trying and you still get, you still lose. Um, I think Matt Nichols made uh, a number of better decisions than he has in the past three or four games. And uh, he looked pretty good. He was throwing the ball with authority. Um, Adam Big Hill seemed to be on fire. Uh, you know, Edmonton, you know, C.J. Gable got a couple of good runs in the first quarter. And then I think Adam Big Hill decided, okay, he's not running anymore. And they stopped him cold on a number of plays afterwards. And, I mean, Edmonton is no no different than any other team. If you make a team one-dimensional, you have a better chance of beating them. And I think eventually Winnipeg made uh, Edmonton one-dimensional, and they can set up for the pass or stop for the pass. And I do believe, I think this was the game, Edmonton took a lot of stupid penalties. And yeah, that's true. That That's always, and I mean, there was a number of, there was a number of turnovers. So, hey, more power to Winnipeg. And once again, guys, after this weekend, this race in the West is going to be crazy. So, there you go. Go ahead. Mark, up to you. Talk about your bombers. You know, if you look at just the stats, you don't look at the score. Nichols only throws for 180 yards. Andrew Harris, yeah, he had 73 yards, but he also ran the ball 20 times. He only had a 3.6-yard average. Their top receiver, Drew Wolitarski, had four catches for 51 yards. If you just look at that, you think, oh, God, Edmonton destroyed them. But that's probably the best defensive game Richie Hall has called as a bomber, if it was Richie Hall calling. No, I'm thinking ever, Mark, ever, ever. (laughs) I've never seen a bomber team blitzing like that, except maybe back in the late 80s, early 90s. They were bringing two guys, they were bringing three guys, they were bringing ten guys. Loeffler was, there was one blitz he did where he started running from about 20 yards back it wasn't even disguised he was full tilt running and timed the snap perfectly big hill was everywhere um and i don't get what edmonton was doing in the halfway through the third quarter riley was getting destroyed You could see he was injured, and he did get injured. They needed to take their guys and sit them in a hurry because Duke Williams is out for a while now, too. And to me, that hit, I know a few people have said that was close to being a dirty hit because the ball 
wasn't near him and this and that. That was simply because Duke Williams, the play before, they're down 20, I think it was 27 to 3 at the time. He goes up, he makes a nice catch, sales hits him, they go down. He gets up and he spins the ball at sales and points for a first down and starts jawing. You're down twenty. You're down twenty-seven to three. What happened the very next play? He was left a crumpled heap on the field by the same guy. Sales is quickly becoming a very big hitter. Um, There's some that are saying he's going to be the rookie of the year nominee out of the West, and he's playing a tough spot. But. It seemed like Edmonton was playing for themselves individually in the second half. They were trying to get stats. And I don't get why you would leave Riley in in a game like that. If you're making the playoffs, you're making it on him. You're not making it on your defense. And their defense did play well. It's not like the Bonner offense did much. They didn't have to. Two times they started. Their worst field position, I think, was the... 35-yard line once. Edmonton didn't even kick off once during the game. Riley should not have been in that game halfway through the third quarter. As soon as it got to 24-3, to they should have sat him on the bench. And I think he hurt his shoulder Yeah. on one of the big hits he took. He took some huge hits. It came, if the, this is going to be the bomber defense for the rest of the season... I'm not expecting that level, but if they can come even close to that level for the rest of the season, Nichols, just do what you're doing. Don't play dumb. And it will set them up nicely. They already are set up nicely because they are in third place. They're tied, but they're out of Edmonton because of points. So we are in third place now. I wouldn't have thought of that three weeks ago, but hey, well, third place is a bit of a push, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're tied with Edmonton. BC is two points behind you with a game in hand. So mm-hmm. it, theoretically, we could be in a three-way tie for third right now. And Winnipeg still has third place. We have the first tiebreaker on both teams. Okay. Whatever makes you sleep at night. <laughs> Hey, there's part of me that wants to finish in fourth, not third. So, But, no, I was thrilled with that defense. I've been waiting to see that defense because they do have the talent on the field. And it looks like we've seen the last of Mo Leggett as a bomber. He's been put on the sixth game. I think that'll be it for him. They're going to go with the young kids now. That's it. Okay, so this game was a bit of a rout. Winnipeg Blue Bombers 30, Edmonton Eskimos 3. Oh, my God, I'm so sad by that. Um, Yeah, so Charles picks Edmonton. Chris picks Edmonton. CJ picks Edmonton. Down to Will and Mark, and who do you think got it? Will went high, both scores. Mark, you get another star. Yes. Okay, one up on Chris this week so far. See what happens down the stretch on the last game. 
And the last game is the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. We've already talked about these morons. Uh, they went into Montreal and uh, took one away from Montreal. No doubt about that. And actually, I you got to give uh, Montreal credit for scoring 29 points. Uh, well, you'd think that Saskatchewan was supposed to have a pretty good defense. How did they get 29 points scored on them against them by Johnny Manziel, who nobody respects? Hmm. Interesting. 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 Hi, uh, Mark, go ahead. This game, it was interesting to see for me that Zach Kalaros finally played as a rough rider, I think his best game of the season. He ended up having, what was it, 394 yards passing on a 70% completion rate. So that it's good to see it shows what they can be when he's on. Now, they were playing Montreal. You know, and they are somewhat of like we call them the free space now. Montreal did play a good game. Manziel played a lot better than I expected against their defense, but their Saskatchewan defense hasn't played that well in the last few games, three or four games, really. And it really it came down to some big plays by Saskatchewan. You, know, you got that Kyron Moore receiver who's come out of nowhere. He had 126 yards. Shaq Evans at 114, so even Kenny Sean, his first game had 75 yards. I don't take a lot of the, out of this game because it is against Montreal. You are expected to win. I know Ryder fans don't want us to talk about Johnny Manziel, but, you know, he played well. He was only 9 of 16, but he had two, his first two touchdowns. He had 138 yards passing. He added another 45 yards rushing. So we are seeing some development with him. Saskatchewan itself, they should have won the game. They won the game. They can't be ecstatic about it. They've got some things to fix on the defense still. There's something going wrong there the last few games. Saskatchewan was full marks to the win. There was a couple of itchy ref calls against them, command center ones on touchdowns. But, you know, they were full marks for the win, but I wouldn't be too ecstatic going forward. I'd be happy that Caleros threw for 400 yards, but again, it's against Montreal. You are expect You have to win the games you're expected to win, and they did. That's about it. Yeah, no doubt about that one. Charles, go ahead. Uh, again, I'm uh, kind of thinking, you know, they won the game, and yeah, they've got to win the game, but they weren't exactly dominant against a team that for most other teams have been pretty much a gimme. Um, they just, um, they let them stick around too long and almost blew it in the end. Now, they were able to hang on and get the win. Uh, but the, the Rough Riders pride themselves on their defense, and we've been hearing from riders and their fans how great their defense was um, really for most of this season. Well, Johnny Manziel threw two touchdown passes against you. He hasn't thrown any against anybody else. So um, this game I thought was going to be more of a gimme for the riders because I thought Montreal was a mess, and Montreal damn near beat them. 
but give credit where credit is due. The offense did, um, Zach Caleros and the offense did uh, get enough points on this one. Uh, Caleros actually, I believe, threw for over 300 yards, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he actually was almost 400, 394. But again, I will still point out 394 passing yards and one touchdown. Now, certainly they got three rushing touchdowns, so their offense was putting the ball in the end zone. Certainly better than they had been in some of the other games this season. Uh, so you can't really, I don't think, fault um, Caleros for not getting touchdowns because he was getting the ball and finishing off drives. And uh, good games for both Shaquille Evans and Kyron Moore, both of them over 100 yards in this one. Kenny Shaw was just under with 75 yards. Trey Mason, again, he's impressing me uh, week in, week out. He's really playing well. He didn't get 100. He got 86 yards in a touchdown, so still a pretty uh, good uh, outing for him. This was probably Johnny Manziel's best game in the CFL. Uh, He only had 138 yards, but he did have the two touchdowns. 9 of 16, not terrible there. He also ran the ball five times for 45 yards, including one for 25 yards. So, he is making strides. There is no question about that. So he is getting better as they go along. Um, but really right now, the Montreal, again, like I said with the Argos earlier, they're playing for pride, and they can take some pride out of this. They stuck with a team that supposedly got a top-tier defense and pulled the win out, or nearly pulled the win out. And Saskatchewan, I'm sure they're happy with the win, but... Uh, it wasn't a masterpiece by any sense of the imagination. So while they did win, there's certainly stuff for them to work on going forward. Okay, perfect. Will, jump on this one. Open well, your mic. I just opened my mic, sorry. Good. Um, Open your mouth. Um, um, <laughs> We are talking about Saskatchewan and Montreal, correct? Yeah, we are. I know. Your two favorite okay. teams in the league. Only Edmonton could play in this game, and it'd be worse. Well, you know what? Johnny Manziel was fantastic. He was the highlight of every play, and he, 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 he was fantastic. It was really, really incredible how much he showed up and how well he did for only his fourth game in the CFL. Um, and then there was Saskatchewan, who... Zach Calaris looked pretty good, and uh, they scored points, but it was still a close game, and which which brings me to my conclusion that that Saskatchewan ain't that good, folks. You know, and I keep on telling people that they're not that good, and I keep on being called jealous, and people keep on talking about. Bo Levi Mitchell lost two great cups, blah, 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 blah. And I've just decided to stay off, just to stay off those sites because it's pointless arguing with people that are, you know, they they have their points of view and, and no matter what you say, you're not going to change their mind. But you know what? It was an entertaining game. I did watch the whole thing. Um once again, come to the conclusion, Montreal's that not that bad, and Saskatchewan's not that good. Um, but I mean, I think there was an article out today, or maybe you you put it in the agenda, Charles, about uh, Montreal's uh, 
head coach saying that their biggest problem this year has been their quarterbacking issues. No shit. Because <laughs> I, 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 I think Montreal's a good team. But they haven't been very consistent at quarterback. And uh, they could be better. But Montreal's, for all intents and purposes, Montreal's season's over. Um, and Saskatchewan has this false sense of security that they're just going to roll over everybody for the rest of the year. And we'll see what happens. I mean, they, they I really, really, really wish that Montreal had to beat Saskatchewan, and it was close right till the end. It was too bad they just couldn't have pulled it out. But anyways, you guys know I love when Saskatchewan loses. Um, the one thing, it the one happen, thing, though. well, no, but the one thing that to me is very obvious about Saskatchewan, and it showed up in the last three games, you can, you can run, you can run against Saskatchewan. Because they got Charleston Hughes and Willie What's-His-Face, and they're always trying to get sacked. Willie Jefferson. Willie Jefferson. You can run on that team. And Montreal showed it quite a bit. Johnny Manziel ran. You can run on that team. And if I was anybody playing Saskatchewan, I would concentrate on the run big time. Because football is still basic. The run sets up the pass. So, that's it. Go ahead. Okay, well, that's everybody in here. I got nothing to say on this, this game. It was... It was football. It was Saskatchewan and Montreal, and I didn't watch it. I just, it was a busy weekend for me, and I didn't get to watch a lot of football. I didn't even get to watch a lot of the BC game, so uh, I'm not feeling... You didn't miss anything. There wasn't much no. to watch. No, I understand that. I understand that. Uh, yeah, so anyhow, um, final score was Saskatchewan 34, Montreal 29. So they, they only beat them by five points. I would not be jumping up and down right now if I was a Ryder fan in the fact that Montreal was within a touchdown of you. If you had Molly Wapped them like Winnipeg did to Edmonton at thirty to three or Hamilton over BC forty to ten, I would be like pumping up your chest and walking around, strutting around a little bit, okay? But when you beat the worst team in the CFL by a measly five points you really got to chill your enthusiasm a little bit, just a little bit. Okay. Cause yeah. anyhow, we know that's not going to happen. Final score, 34, 29. Who do you think won this one? Well, Chris picked Saskatchewan. Well, you went for Montreal 38, 18. You're actually pretty close in the score. You just picked the wrong team to win. I got Chris down with an R, and I'm going, what the? Oh, it's the Riders, okay? So I just kind of put them in the wrong spot, okay? So Chris had 28 to 11. I, I went, CJ went low at 18 to 9. That just didn't happen. 20 to 11 is an okay score. Mark, 27, 13. Will, third, or sorry, Charles, 35, 13. Well, 35 is closer to 34 than that, but 13, 13. 11. Charles, you win this one. Wow. Yay, Charles. You're tied with me now, I think. Mark, are you close enough to Chris? 
You you were more than one or two back, weren't you? I just sent the stat, the standings, if you want to call them that, over. Um, I think oh, I'm, I'm still ahead of Charles now. Yeah. Are, are these are these updated? No, those aren't updated. Those are from last week. Oh well, so, shit, so we're man. tied now. Okay, we're tied. Yeah, and Charles and I are tied. I'll be and you're one behind Chris. Both got one. Yeah. No, Mark got two. Yeah, I got two. That's Chris right. Got one, you're right. So. Yeah. Mark, Mark got two. Chris got one, and Charles got one. So there you go. Oh my good lord. Okay, let's move on. Let's talk some football, some real football, because those games just absolutely suck. Uh, Hamilton Ticats were not amused with the BC Lions dancing on their logo at midfield, and they went out and played like it. But were they really making it into a bigger issue than it was? Okay, we've already gone over this one back and forth here, there, and everywhere. This made did not make one iota difference in the outcome of that football game. Okay? The fact that BC Lions were dancing on the Hamilton logo meant that the BC Lions didn't show up? No. That had nothing to do with it. I would, If I was a Hamilton Tiger Cat, I would be far more pissed about losing that game last week because literally, literally, they snatched defeat from victory. Okay? They beat themselves in that game, and they know it. So if you want motivation, start watching the film from last week's game. Don't be messing with this media hype about dancing on a logo because that's just bullshit. And it was just, it was all for the fans. It had nothing to do with motivation to play football. Hamilton was justly motivated. Obviously, BC was not. So there you go. Anybody want to add anything to this? Charles, go ahead. Um, I kind of said my piece on it before when we were talking about the game. You really, if you're, if you're, um, you needed that to get motivated after the team beat you last week. Uh, you've got to really work on your motivation skills. They were, um, I mean, I know they were out there making it for show. I think uh, Brandon Banks was, uh, he likes the attention, so he's out there showing, oh, I'm angry they're dancing on our... I mean, it's paint on artificial turf that gets run on multiple times per game. And I'm sure that the uh, the Thai Cats themselves have run over it. What, what What's the big deal? Who cares? It's, it's paint on artificial turf. It's not like they're stomping all over you. It's just kind of, you know, I think it was... Uh, a good story that they made, but real in reality, I um, I don't think it was uh, as big as um, like uh, CJ said earlier. The loss last week, I'm sure, was much um, more uh, a motivating factor than them dancing on a uh, of them dancing on a logo. I really think that, and I think that all this uh, this oh well we were upset blah 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 blah. I think that was more for show on the tie catch part than anything else. Oh yeah, and it was to all be honest, had they not and had the Lions not danced on the logo, I'm not convinced that that game goes any differently. No, no, I'd be surprised if it did. Wouldn't you? The whole thing was the whole thing was manufactured by the league. 
Yeah, for the media. The league is the one who put this out. It wasn't three down jumped on it, but three down got it from CFL.ca. Yeah. So the league put it out. They manufactured the controversy. Three down jumped on something that maybe wasn't legit? Wow. (laughs) But, hey, it's coming off of CFL.ca. Yeah. So, of course they're going to jump on it. It was hype for the game. And it blew up in their faces. It ended with guys fighting, supposedly, in the parking lot or the hallway or something. It had guys chirping at each other and pretty close to throwing punches during the, before the game. The CFL created a hype monster. I, I don't know if it was great for the league or not. It certainly created a buzz, though. Well, I'm sure there were some people taken to task on it the next day. I don't get why they would even do it. I really but don't. You, you know, the, the CFL Twitter account and the CFL Facebook account are all taken care of by junior intern-type people, okay? And they go out there, and they're supposed to do create hype. They're supposed to create, you know, different type of things that's going on. And that's what they did, Right? Good or bad, that's what they did. And, and and I'm sure that they had a talking to about it. So here here's a question, okay? The team kind of got around at center field and, and kind of all had the little dance there at center field. How many stadiums have the team logo at center field? Most don't. Not very many, actually. Most I'm don't. To think of them. Winnipeg I, I know, the end zones. I, I know Edmonton does, but most most leagues don't. Ha- most teams don't have the logo in at center field. So when you're at at a visitor stadium and you congregate at center field and you're do, doing your walkthrough, you're not up dancing on anybody's logo, but you are in Hamilton. And that was taken out of proportion. That's just my take on this one. Will, do you have anything to add? Absolutely nothing. It, it was I don't totally care. useless. Waste of space. Oh, hang on. Did you really say that? Yep. There's Will. I don't care. How did that bell come about, Charles? That was you one night, wasn't it, that did that? I just downloaded it like you. I'm like, well, Will uh, says I don't care so often. We need a bell to ring every time he says it. Just like that. I like it. Just like that. There it is. Okay, so can we move on from this subject? Because it's annoying. <laughs> sure. Yep. Yep. I can't believe how the Cat fans actually got into this. It's just ate it up hook, line, and sinker. The only team that would have bought into this more would have been the Riders. Okay, Mike Riley is currently not interested in holding contract talks with the Edmonton Eskimos right now, fueling speculation that he may move on next season. Do we think that he will be playing elsewhere in 2019? Wow. Okay, first off, why would any team be negotiating with their star marquee quarterback with four games left in the season. They're fighting for a playoff spot right now. 
The last thing they need is a distraction over money. So Mike Riley says, I want $475,000. I want to be the highest paid quarterback in the CFL. And Brock Sutherland says, you're not worth that. I'm going to give you four and a quarter. Because it's negotiations. And he's not going to say you're not worth that. He's going to say, well, you know, salary caps this, salary caps that, and uh, four and a quarter is about the best we can do. And these are hypothetical numbers. I have no idea what they're talking about. But how do you think Mike Riley feels right now? He's going to go out there and, what, play his heart out to prove that he's worth that money? He's already proved that he's worth that money. He does not need to prove anything. He went out there and laid an egg. It's just a stupid and ridiculous thing to be doing is negotiating a contract with four games left in the season. Who the fuck is thinking this? Okay, this is dumb. Dumb, dumb, with big capital D. Put a cap on, a pointy one. Okay, which is hat without the brim. Okay, so does this create speculation that Mike Riley is going to go somewhere else in the offseason? Is he dissatisfied with the Edmonton Eskimos organization? I don't think so. Do I think he's going to go somewhere else? There's a possibility. Somewhere deep down in my soul says that there is. I, I know that Mrs. Riley has said that she is not a huge fan of the city of Edmonton. Um, and I don't want to start anything here uh, with Edmonton Eskimo fans, but it's a simple fact that it's a cold city in the wintertime. And if you're raising a family in there and, uh, you, you know, there's better places in this, in this country to be uh, raising your family. This isn't politically correct, but Edmonton's a shithole. Sorry. <laughs> You're right, Will. That's not Sorry. politically correct, okay? Yeah, okay. I, I apologize. So it's you can't blame Mrs. Riley, Riley then? Nope, not at all. I wouldn't, okay. I wouldn't live in Edmonton, and I used to live in Winnipeg, okay? <laughs> that says everything. Um, uh-huh. So here's, here's the take on this. Happy wife, happy life. Mikey, what you going to do about it? Now, she did live in, in Vancouver for a while, and she did like it. Now... Mike Riley's really good friend is Ed Hervey, who's the general manager of the BC Lions. Mike Riley's best pal and fishing buddy is Travis Lule, more than likely the next quarterback coach in BC. Do you see the checklist coming together on this one? If Mike Riley leaves the Edmonton Eskimos, oh, by the way, Jonathan Jennings' contract is up this year. So, if Mike Riley leaves the Edmonton Eskimos on free agency and or a trade this year, my money's on he's going to BC. I have never seen that happen where a quarterback holds out because he wants out of a city. I've never seen that happen. Okay? Not unless they are absolutely and completely, totally disrespecting him in Edmonton, which they would not do. But I've never seen a quarterback jump ship like that. So I'm not holding my breath. I don't think it's going to happen. It's on Christopher's wish list for Santa Claus. And we'll see how that goes. Mark, what do you think? Well, no, you're right about the negotiating during the season. You just don't do that. I've never heard of anybody really doing that in the CFL. It's just it's too short of a season to do it. Um, where is he going to go? I don't think he's going anywhere myself. I think he's staying in Edmonton. Yeah. Um, 
the logical place if he did leave would be BC. But hear me out on this. I'm not sure yeah. why BC would want. I'm not sure why BC would want him. Because okay, great, you got him for next year. What do you do after that? How old is Mike Riley? Thirty-five. How old's his body? Twenty-nine. No. Forty-seven. It's, it's it's forty-seven to fifty now. Yeah. He, he did. He looked like an old man in that Winnipeg game. He was injured. I think he's been playing injured for a while. Um. Okay, great. You've got him for next year. Going forward, you're not keeping Jonathan Jennings and Mike Riley. You cannot afford it. What are you going to do for a quarterback? Well, Alex Ross first off, Jonathan Jennings cannot demand money. I mean, his, his salary right now is under two hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, but are they going to drop it to eighty when they have to pay Mike Riley close to five hundred thousand to go? How could he demand he anything might... more the way he's played? Um, he's I'm not going to say starter. he is, and I would say that he he would be angry and he would leave, and and maybe Montreal would grab Jonathan Jennings or or Winnipeg, or no. you know. But Don't say you, no. You see what guaranteed saying, that, okay. that, that, guaranteed that Winnipeg's looking for a quarterback. <laughs> but going forward, okay, you've got Mike Riley for one year, probably maximum two. Louis on his Louis is starting to get ready to leave too. So you haven't helped yourself. You helped yourself for the immediate future. That's it. There's nothing going forward. You don't have another quarterback. So that's why I don't think he's going to go anywhere. Well, I don't think he's going anywhere. But if he does, the logical choice is, is BC. And it's yeah. not a dumb move by the Lions to bring in Mike Riley. It's not a dumb move. For one year, you, you though? Need, what's that? For one year? One year, two years. You think he's going to play in 37 or 38? Maybe. You think he's I can't rule it out. No, two years maximum, because then he's 37. He's not Henry Burris. Is he going to play no, until he's, he's 45? he's way better than Henry Burris ever was. Yeah. Um, but you know what I mean age-wise. He's gotten beaten up this year. Yeah. yeah every he year. Went off holding he, gets, a, he went he off holding his shoulder badly, though. He went off holding his shoulder, and that's when they finally took him out. He's injured. His body's going to start to break down with all these hits. So you're going to have a maximum two years. No doubt. We're not arguing with you on this. We're not arguing at all, okay? We're talking about he's good for a year, maybe two, possibly three. In that time, you have to start bringing in other quarterbacks and developing them. Is this going to be the difference between Jonathan Jennings? If he sticks around, is it going to take him to the next level? You know, yeah, Travis Lule is not coming back. I would bet money Travis Lule is not coming back next year. Okay? Just it, it, it's stupid if you pay him money next year. Okay? He, he can't complete a season. I, I'm the, I love the guy. He's an MOP quarterback. But let's face facts. He gets hurt. Yeah. And, okay? All the time. All the time. And you can't pay a man to be on the on the sidelines like that. You cannot. And yeah, and he's only making two and a quarter a year, which is pretty good. Uh, I mean, there's good good management skills there, Wally or Eddie. But okay, so I don't know. 
I've got the solution um, for keeping Travis Lillet healthy. Just sit him when they play Montreal. <laughs> yeah. yeah. In September. That's where he always gets he always gets hurt. Well, no, and and you know what? That that might be it. Might be a perfect idea to to sign Mike Riley so Travis Lulay stays uninjured. Because look at look at Kevin Glenn. Kevin Glenn's had a pretty much uninjured season this year. Okay, because he hasn't played it down. Because I was going to say he hasn't Mike Riley's backup, <laughs> and and Kevin Glenn's going to play at least fifty three. So it really doesn't matter. Okay. I'm just wondering which team he goes to next year. But the thing you guys are completely missing is, I don't know if you're missing and you just didn't bring it up, I think Mike Riley's holding out to see what the CBA is going to be like. That, okay? I, somebody yeah, else fair. brought that up, too, uh, this week, and that's actually a good point that I never thought of. Well, of course yeah, it is. You know, or that, why would you, or why would you sign a deal before the CBA is signed? Why? Maybe he'll sign. Maybe he'll sign with the Alliance Football League and make big bucks. Who knows? Here's Who knows? the problem with that theory, Will, and I agree with yes. you. And I think that that's more realistic than anything. Free agency is in February. The CBA is not going to be signed until May June. Uh huh. So is he going to sit on free agency when other teams are going to throw buckets of money at him? Well, yeah, but there's not that many buckets of money to throw at guys in the in the CFL, okay? What's he going to make top right now? He's going to make 500k a season. Yeah. I I mean it's not very far off of what he's making now, I would assume. Agreed. So, you know, I mean, but he he really looked downtrodden at the end of the game in Winnipeg. And maybe you never know, okay, because, I mean, one of the things you bring up all the time, Christopher, is Mike Riley makes teams better regardless of their talent, okay? Yeah. Because he can, he can put a team on his back and carry it. Well, maybe he's getting sick and tired of that. Maybe he'd like to play for a winner, okay, where they bring in other talent. That might be another thing, because, I mean, let's well, face it. Huff Nagel would be a smart man to toss Bo Levi Mitchell to the curb and take Mike Riley if the offer was there. Yeah, I, I disagree with that, but I'm thinking next year in Calgary, if we play it right, we could have Bo Levi Mitchell, Mike Riley, and uh, Kevin Glenn <laughs> as their three quarterbacks. Look out, CFL, here we come. Okay? So, but, yeah... No, I don't think Mike Riley's leaving Edmonton, to be honest with you. Edmonton is Mike Riley's team, let's face it. And there would be a lynching. There would be a lynching in Edmonton if they let let Mike Riley go. Oh, of course there would. Kind of like uh, Ricky Ray leaving Edmonton. Yeah. Maybe Mike Mike Riley's waiting to see who the head coach in Edmonton is going to be next year. Yeah. Uh, Riley's quite making frankly, more if than it's Jason Moss, I don't think he's going to want to come, come back. back. I just saw an Edmonton Journal article about the him not talking contract right now, and he is reportedly making over five hundred. So to throw buckets of money, you're throwing five fifty to six hundred thousand dollars at him. Ain't going to happen. No. No. Especially no. with uncertainty surrounding the CBA. Yeah, with the salary cap issues, 
500-ish is maxed out. That's maxed out as a contract in the CFL. Yeah, agreed. He's not making further, so... Okay. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Hard to argue. Well, yeah, it is. I think we. I'm not. A, I'm not sleeping. I'm. A, I'm deleting people out of my group right now. Okay. <laughs> Priorities. Yep. Had to do it. Okay. Okay. So where are we going here? Uh, still with the Edmonton Eskimos, they have fired their special teams coach. This was funny. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous. Following the loss of the Blue the blue Bombers on Saturday, is special teams really that big of a problem, or is this a classic well, scapegoat I, move? The biggest difference in that game was definitely special teams. You could see it. Yep. Okay. Hey, I, I hang, on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. The only way that this makes sense, okay, we all know what's going on. We, we, it's, there's no way it was because special teams sucked, okay? Is that the special teams coordinator took exception to the way the game was called or played by the head coach Can and called him out. And you cannot have dissension like that in your ranks. Jason Moss had to fire him. That's the only way that this makes sense. Because you don't fire a coach because special teams was not doing well, because Edmonton's special teams is not horrid. Not, not so bad that you would fire a coordinator midseason, especially when you're making a run for the playoffs. Good. Uh-huh. You guys following my line of thinking here? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, something else must have happened. Absolutely. Clearly. Well, you got fired in Winnipeg. Yeah, every coach gets fired. Yep. Oh, I know. What's his name? Corey McDermott. Oh, okay. Okay. Wally Buono, I think, is the only coach that's never been fired. Right? I mean, hey, really? Everybody gets fired from somewhere. It just makes no sense, considering Edmonton didn't even... They didn't have a kickoff, and Winnipeg only punted five times. So I'm yeah. pretty sure that would didn't have much to do with the game. He had to be been complaining about how the game was called because why else are they firing him? I mean, are they doing this as a, a, a show to say that oh well we're we're doing something about it? People are gonna laugh at that crap. No one's gonna buy that. So who cares about firing the special teams coordinator? It doesn't make a big difference. Now, if they'd fired Jason Moss, we would all understand it. Right. But they didn't. They they fired the special teams coordinator. Yeah, so it's ridiculous. So we're all laughing at instead. Yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. So the only way that this makes sense in in Christopher's world is that he called Jason Moss a fucking idiot or something. Makes sense to me. Sure. I'll go with that plan. Even if he is right. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter if he's right or not. You don't call out the boss. Nope. Nope. Right? It's just simple, right? So who's got a piece of paper and a pen? 
I have a pen, but no paper. I got it. <laughs> what Mark does? Okay. Mark does. ID ten T. ID ten T. Okay. Ah, you jerk. <laughs> Oh, you're such an ass. I am so. You got it, Charles? You figured it out? Yes, I figured it out. (laughs) Okay, rock and roll here. Uh, Montreal coach Mike Sherman said that inconsistency at the quarterback position has hurt his club first off. No getting. Second, there's much more to it than that for the Alouette struggle right now. Okay, so let's get this straight. Montreal coach Mike Sherman said that inconsistency at the quarterback position has hurt his club. Thank you, Captain Obvious. (laughs) Holy sheep dip. What have we got to say about this? Can, can, we cannot discuss this. This is just like, I, let's just I, move on to the next subject because there's I nothing to de- say. I literally debated putting this in because I'm like, how do we talk about this? This is so freaking obvious. I mean, what are we going to say about it? You can't disagree with it. No. And, and you, you got nobody to blame but himself. Nope, that's true. So what do you do? This is the man who can't control his headset. (laughs) I mean, seriously, seriously, what have we got to say about this? Okay, well, yeah, Captain Obvious just came out with the quote of the year. Okay, no shit. Okay. Mark, you want to add anything to this? Come on. There's not it's a lot to add. It's like there's you nothing guys have to add. Said. It's kind of obvious. Um, yeah. All I know is I want to hear more Mike Sherman quotes because they're very amusing. I, I, why you know is what? he even I a think, coach in this I league? Think what happened? What happened was he said it in French. Okay. And the translation works out so it sounded like that, but in reality, that's not what he said. What do you think? Let's give him the benefit of the doubt. I would bet money. I would bet a lot of money that Mike Sherman doesn't know how to speak French. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of money. (sighs) Okay. So, yeah, no, there's nothing more to say about this. And so let's continue with this thing here, okay? So nobody's surprised by this comment or anything else. What I'm is Montreal's problem? I'm enough to make it. Yeah, well. Go on. What is Montreal's problem and how do they fix it? The biggest problem, and it's the biggest problem on any team if they're in that situation is quarterbacking and coaching and GMing. Yeah, but I, 
but I but I think you can if you have a good quarterback, it covers up a lot of flaws. Okay, you look at. Okay, let's look at the bottom feeders right now. Okay, BC doesn't have a quarterback or a quarterback with confidence. Montreal doesn't have a quarterback. Toronto, I mean, although Bethel Thompson has been good, he's not Ricky Ray. No. And the other interesting thing in Toronto is, do they start uh, James Franklin eventually? We haven't... We haven't talked much about yeah, that. Remember James question. Franklin? Yeah, 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 yeah we did. James okay, Franklin? I agree with you, but let's let's leave Franklin for a couple minutes and let's finish with with what your thoughts are on this because I want to challenge you on one. Okay, Montreal Alouettes right. with Anthony Calvillo as the quarterback. Good quarterback, bad quarterback. Well, you're going to say he's a bad quarterback, but he was a good no, quarterback. No, 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 no. I'm asking you, good quarterback, bad quarterback. You tell me. Good, good quarterback. Montreal Alouettes with Anthony Calvillo's quarterback and Mark Tressman as coach. Good team, bad team. Good team. Okay, Montreal Alouettes, Anthony Calvillo as quarterback and Jim Pop as coach. Good team or bad team? <laughs> bad team. Garbage. Bad team. <laughs> okay. Point made. Yeah. Well, sure, it has something to do with the coaching, but I still don't think the coaching is all of it, okay? I think the coaching and general manager of the Montreal Alouettes is exactly the problem with the Montreal Alouettes. Oh, well, if you put it that way, I I don't think it's the coaching. I think the coaching has been not bad this year compared to last year, but the GM has to go. The GM has to go. He's an idiot. That's what it is. He's a ID10T. I mean, yeah, okay. Let's look at the successful teams, okay? Calgary, good coach, good GM, good quarterback. What do you get? You get, you lose two great cups in a row. That's beside the point. But you got to the great cup, you know what I mean? You lost three out of four, didn't you? Yes, we did. So, coaching matters. Quarterbacking matters. matters. Two most important positions on the team, head coach and quarterback. If one of those is failing, you're not going to be wonderful. Plain and simple. Do we think Mike Sherman is is quality? The year they had Matt Dunnigan as head coach. He was general manager, too, though, wasn't he? (laughs) Yes, he was. (laughs) Okay. That was a good move. Okay. Do you want to debate the merits between Kavis Reed and Matt Dunnigan as general managers? (laughs) They both suck. All I know is that team would be a disaster. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. So, yeah, Montreal's problem starts at the top. It starts with ownership. It starts with the front office. It starts with uh, football operations. It goes down to quarterbacking. It goes down to O-line. It goes down to just about everything except for the defense. 
the defense is not embarrassing themselves. You could wipe that entire team off the planet and start over, and you'd be probably better ahead. If I could make a comment, you asked earlier what the problem is with the Montreal Alouettes and how do you fix it. The problem with the Montreal, or whichever, (laughs) I see it. Here's my answer. The problem with the Montreal Alouettes is Cabeth Reed. How do you fix it? Fire Cabeth Reed. Which they should have done last year. No, he should never have been put in the position. He was not qualified. Right, but they did put him in that position. And after last season, they should have turfed him, and they didn't. And he should still be turfed. I, he's, he's up there idiot. with Bozos R Us, you know? It's just like, seriously? Come on. Let's not be doing this. Stop insulting Bozo. Yeah. Stink, stank, stunk, to quote the Grinch. Okay. <laughs> I don't think the last segment here is relevant. I think we've already gone over this. Seems like it happens every week, but the Calgary Stampeders have lost another receiver, this time losing Reggie Biggleton with an arm injury. How much more can the Stampeders take with injuries in the receiving core? Well, they could take another 10 or 12 people because they keep finding more. And they found another one today. Yeah. So, you know, just why is this a story? Because, you know what, Calgary has their, – their depth on their team is deeper than my well. Okay? Because I just – it's just amazing what they find. And I mean, I almost want to ask Bo Levi Mitchell if there's a second or third house that the Calgary Stampeders have for their receivers. Come on, that was a good one. No comment from the peanut gallery? <laughs> Come on. Nope. Come on, that was that was funny. I've okay. heard I've heard they've called uh, Alan Pitts and Pee Wee uh, Smith to see if Pee-wee they're interested Smith. in coming back. I thought you were gonna so. say Pee Wee Herman. No, Pee Wee Smith. They might get to him if it got to him. And I mean, Dave Saponja still lives in Calgary, so you never know, man. Yeah, yeah. And Strap you know, there's always, on. you know, there's always that. I'm sure, I'm sure Nick Lewis isn't 300 pounds yet. He's probably close, but. <laughs> okay. Don't pick on thick Nick. We like him. But he lives in Regina, so I don't know. I don't know if Actually, he did send out a tweet about it. Did he did send out that tweet that he uh-huh. his phone could always be used? Yeah, uh-huh. so he was, he was available. And hey, Chad Owens is available. Yeah, that's an interesting one, isn't it? I I honestly yeah. think he would pick that one up. Well, is he? Is he? I know he was hurt in Hamilton. Is he recovered or? Is he still hurt? He's released. That's all they've said. He's released. Yeah. So, I guess you he can't, has to be. You can't release an injured player. You can't release an injured player. Can you release somebody who's only on the practice roster, though, or does that count for the practice that's true, roster he was, as well? He was only on the practice roster, so that's 
But then again, if a guy's getting hurt on the practice roster, do you want him on your main roster? <laughs> yeah, he lasted one practice. He didn't last the whole practice. <laughs> uh, that's what, exactly what Calgary needs, a guy that's injured all the time to play a seven. Yeah. No response. Okay, so now let's get on to something like a little bit better. Uh, we want to talk about James Franklin now. Who? <laughs> the next well one. Who? The next one. The next one. James Franklin, the next one. Well, do you think that it's time to uh, to see what he can do? Yeah, but they tried that at the beginning of the year after Ricky Ray got hurt. They tried that. He did nothing. Right, but you got to try him again. I mean, they look at they 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 had Johnny Manziel, and they then they went to Pipkin. No, they had Pipkin, then they went to Manziel, then they went to Pipkin, and then they gone back to Manziel. I mean, hell, Rock. why not? Well, what you're doing is not working in Toronto, so they need to nope. change something. Is yep. Is James Franklin the something, or is there somebody nope. else that is the something, or what nope. is it? No, what? I, I think they're doing fine with Bethel Thomas. He's only had three games and or four games, and he's looked good in at least three of them. So just give him a little more time. James Franklin is not the answer. I don't know what's wrong with James Franklin. He just kind of stood back and looked like a deer in the headlights most of the time and did nothing. And this is from a guy that everybody said would be great, and he's the next one, and everybody was bidding for his services, and Toronto got it, and I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes, man, the hype is there, and it's just not worth it. And if anybody knows quarterbacks, it's Tressman. Yeah, and if he was up on, um, if yeah, if he knew what was going on, you'd think that he would have Franklin in there, wouldn't you? If he thought Franklin was better than Bethel, uh, Bethel Thompson, he would be in there. It's Tresslin. He's not going to have a guy play to. that's not good. Yep. It's not like Tresslin's lost his ability to coach in one year. And he knows quarterbacks. Look what he did with Calvillo. Um, it's I, James Franklin is another, I think, really in a long line of, man, he's a great backup when he comes in and plays in garbage time. Look what he did in, in preseason. Yeah? But when you play a full game, it's completely different. And Will's right. He looked like a complete deer in the headlights when he did play. So what do you do? I think I think near the end of the season, like when there's maybe one or two games left, then you'll throw him in to see if he's got anything. But Bethel Thompson I think what they bad. I think what they do is they trade for Kevin Glenn immediately. <laughs> Why would Edmonton give up Kevin Glenn? If Mike Riley's injured, well, we don't know he's injured yet. 
When Riley got pulled yeah, in the Winnipeg in game, the Glenn didn't play. Guy. Yeah. And I don't know if you guys caught that, but during the game, the announcers on the game were saying, well, why the heck are they putting in the third string? And at that point in time, Kevin Glenn, Glenn turned directly to the camera and said, come on, there's only three minutes left. What did you expect? I'm not going to play. So... Yeah, no, not arguing. Agreed. Last thing to do would be to put in the old man. He'd just get hurt. Especially if your second or first string is hurt, then and they and Kevin Gladden had a freak accident and got hurt on one play, then they're really screwed. But I still think yeah. Edmonton's screwed right now anyways, so Well, they're trending the wrong direction. That's one thing's for sure. But then so is Winnipeg. And I know that Mark's going to go, well, they just had a decisive win over the Edmonton Eskimos. Well, it was over the Edmonton Eskimos. And it wasn't because of the offense. No, no, it wasn't. So you're talking about what is they got? One victory, two victories in the last five games? Six games? Six games. Yep. Two two in the last six games. Not, Not good odds. You know, so but they have know. won their last two games in a row, so they're trending upwards. They're trending upwards. They're trending backwards. Yes, Edmonton, on the other hand, is doing. Oh, what the what the hell are they doing? Because it's not whatever it is is not good, right? So what are we at? Week sixteen just happened. Edmonton drops one. Week fifteen, Edmonton drops one. Week fourteen, Edmonton's on a bye. Okay, and then week 13, they beat Calgary. Then they dropped one to Calgary the week before. And then they lost one to Hamilton. And then they beat Montreal. Big deal. And then they lost one to BC. Edmonton is not looking real good right now. And who picked Edmonton to miss the playoffs at the beginning of the season? Do you guys remember who on the panel did that? Yes, Christopher. But I still don't think that's going to happen. I'm just saying. I look. I'm just, I'm well, just I saying. I picked Edmonton Eskimos to miss the playoffs. I I got to work this morning and I sat down at my desk and I didn't feel like working, so I thought I'd take a look at the West Division and think about who's going to finish where. And I wrote down the remainder of the rest of their games, and I came up with an interesting, quite an interesting little thing, and. Uh, I think this is what I think is going to happen. The West, we're going to finish Calgary, Edmonton. Oh. Saskatchewan and Winnipeg are going to be tied for third. So Saskatchewan will win that because they beat Winnipeg back-to-back games, so they'll do that, and Winnipeg will be the crossover. And, and then, are you ready, guys? Bench. And BC's not going to make the playoffs, sorry. Not if they play like they did against Hamilton. I'm no, sorry, but if they it's play against Hamilton happen. last week, you know, so they shit the bed one week, that doesn't mean they're going to shit the bed every week. Yeah, but they play Calgary twice. 
Yeah, they do. I, I agree. Actually, and out of, out of, and out, of ne- out of out of out of uh, BC's next four games, um, I think that's all they got left. Right? What are they at right now? No, they got five games left. Um, yeah, we play Toronto. Ga- we play Toronto. Right. We play Calgary. We play Edmonton. Twice. We play no, we play Edmonton once. We play Saskatchewan. Then we play Calgary again. Right. So you play Calgary twice. Edmonton, so Saskatchewan, pick, and Toronto. Right. So I picked. I picked. I figured BC would win two out of that those five games. Okay. And one of them was against Calgary last game of the season. Right. Um, only because Calgary's not going to play any starters. Yeah, they they probably do do that. I I don't think, uh, and I I think both Saskatchewan and Winnipeg are going to end up nine and nine. Wow! So I put my thing together, and I I think it's kind of biased because you know who I think is going to be in the yeah. Grey Cup. You know who I think is going to be in the Grey Cup. You ready? Edmonton Eskimos. <laughs> no. Calgary versus Winnipeg. <laughs> and I'm okay Will is with in that, his, honestly. And Will is in and Will is game. in his car. Will is in his car driving down the highway because he will. He doesn't care how much money he has to pay for a ticket to that game. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Highway. Interesting, William. Interesting. Yeah, I know. I know. I don't think Saskatchewan's that good. They're and, not. And I don't think Winnipeg is that bad, and I think they will wear their fair, win their fair share games over the next four. Okay? At least two. And, okay. uh, yeah. Winnipeg's playing Ottawa, and they're yep. playing Saskatchewan. And yep. they have to play Calgary, Calgary, and they have to play Edmonton again. Edmonton, yep. So I gave them uh, one out of those four. If Mike Riley is not healthy, I'm not giving Edmonton any of those. <laughs> No, and that that's one of the things that could happen. Okay, or you see what I base a lot of this stuff on is I think Edmonton, because of the character of a guy like Mike Riley, has the ability to win all of those games if Mike Riley is in there. Because you've said yourself, Mike Riley makes them a better team and can carry them on their back. So they do have that. Yeah. And and especially they're going to be extra motivated because let's face it, you hate to have the Grey Cup in your home city and you're not in it. Yeah. So but if if Mike Riley is injured, I don't see them winning another game. No, I don't either. Mind you, Kevin Glenn might pull one out, <laughs> or maybe even two. They they play they play some tough games. Yes, they do. They play Saskatchewan. They play well. They got Ottawa. They play BC. Yeah, BC. 
and they play Winnipeg. And you got to believe that Ottawa is actually buying for a playoff position. They're not just going to roll over. No. No, they're not. Of course they're not. So, I mean, and and is it is, is close in the east? Yeah, it's 8 8 to 7 in the wins. So, Hamilton is fighting for the first division championship. I don't know what we're going to do with that one. But I mean, you know, looking at looking at the west, there's all kinds of scenarios that can still happen. It's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, shit. But the only thing that BC can't, BC could, BC can't take first place. Okay? They could end up in second. Yeah. They won't. I'm not betting on that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not. And the great thing about the league this year. That's not even a speculation. Calgary will have to go in a nosedive if they're not going to win first. You know what I mean? No, they, oh. they, they've got first wrapped up. Well, hang on. Are they going to? What are they going to do in the last two games of the season? Right, they're playing BC and they got to buy. No, they don't. They play Winnipeg. No, they, they don't. play Winnipeg in week twenty. Now, how yeah, motivated yeah. are they going to play Winnipeg? And how motivated is Winnipeg to play Calgary? They could lose that right, game. Yeah. They could Depends lose this game against D.C. Yeah, it's possible. Depends where Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan plays them in week 19. Honestly, Calgary doesn't have an easy road. Nope. But I, they're the best team in the CFL, so. <laughs> Everything's relevant. Everything is relevant, and I, and I think, and I think in the Saskatchewan game, there's going to be big motivation for Calgary. Oh yeah, you think so? Yeah, because Saskatchewan's the one that's really only, pretty much the only team that has even a remote shot at catching them. Yeah. So and I do mean better. remote. Yeah, I know, but you know, and the same thing is what we but, talked about. But it's more, possible. But it's possible. It's, fair, I'm not it's highly possible. Yeah. Okay, but let's start it off this way. They play Montreal this week. Okay, how often do they go to Montreal and win? Never. Calgary always Never. struggles in Montreal for whatever reason. Never. Okay. Guys, i got to wrap this one up. We're done, okay? This has okay. been Let's Talk CFL Podcast, episode number 285. I've been your host, Christopher Jones, and the panel. We have had a hoot talking football. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Might even have learned something. I agree with us, maybe. Disagree with us, probably. But you know what? That's what it's all about. We talk football. Uh, big, go ahead, Mark. Shut her down. Good night, everybody. Talk to you on Wednesday, and BC sucks. Oh, fuck off. Charles, go ahead. Can't disagree last week. Good night, folks. Enjoy <laughs> the games this weekend. And we will talk. Actually, it's only Monday. We're going to talk to you before the games this weekend. So we'll talk Two to days. you on Wednesday then, I guess. Yes. In two days. Yep. Uh, William, say good night. Good night, everybody. And I can't disagree with Mark or Charles. Oh, Calgary sucks. Um, 
Hey, I got a big shout out that I'm going to give out to my buddy Kelly Bale, who is now part of the Let's Talk CFL. Don't be such a homer. Calm down. Take a volume. Just let things go, okay? Everything's going to work out in time. Take care, brother. Good night, guys.